Welcome to another episode of Mix and Matchbox. I am Brent Feldman. Today we have with us Tim Leon of Guile Leon Marketing Communications. How are you doing, Tim? Very good, Brent. Thanks for having me on. Definitely. Thank you very much for being with us. Uh, today we're going to be talking about return on empathy, which is a term that you actually trademarked. Uh, and so actually I'm, I'm really interested in finding out, you know, where did this kind of start for you or when did it really hit you about empathy being so important in marketing? Yeah, sure. It, and I, I will say, if you haven't gone through a trademark process, uh, this was two years in the making and we just received the trademark about two or three months ago. Oh man. <laughs> so, so this started back in, uh, 2000, mid, mid 2019, uh, Kind of as the COVID and the pandemic were all ramping up on everyone's mind, we started actually seeing a ton of uh, trade, uh, marketing and advertising communications articles regarding uh, advising people, promoting brands to put more empathy into their uh, marketing efforts. And the impetus was the fact that Consumer behaviors were changing and people were how they purchased and how they interface with brands changed a lot. Right. Because we're all of a sudden we're all isolating and we're ordering online and we're getting things delivered and we're not going to restaurants and behaviors changed. Mm -hmm. And we, we kind of took note of all that. And we said to ourselves, you know, empathy is one of those sounds that sounds great. Like, oh my gosh, I want to be more empathetic. But to us, it's like, can we quantify the impact? Well, we have a white paper. I think it's still on our website, but there was some great research that came out regarding, uh, I think it was a Dentsu marketing study uh, 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 to, talking to CMOs about this topic. And what came out of the research was the fact that empathy in marketing was leading consumers to be more loyal to brands. So if you as a brand could show true empathy, meaning not true, not just empathy, but understanding where your consumer is, what's going through their minds right now, and you could deliver an authentic message around your brand that showed that you really got your customer Customers were saying, if brands can do that, we will stay loyal to the brands, not just during this time of the pandemic, but long term. And so our belief is truly empathetic brands can retain market share. Or, I'm sorry, retain customer loyalty, grow customer loyalty, and then effectively grow market share. So the idea of return on empathy is that you know, you should do it because it's the right thing to do, but it also can have a positive impact on your business in terms of customer loyalty and market share. Definitely. Yeah. Um, how did you see this, you know, reflected and obviously, you know, certainly, you know, words, you know, the way uh, people spoke about, you know, their brand, their product, their company, their organization, but um, maybe how did you see it reflected maybe, you know, not only externally, but internally with inside of companies with their people too? Well, here's, here was a great piece of that research that I really keyed in on. One of the things consumers said is we are mo more likely to be loyal to brands that are good to their employees. So no, never in any time in marketing history than the last two years 
have brands been or have uh, consumers been so super sensitive to how brands treat their employees and basically saying if they don't treat them well, it's going to impact whether I purchase from the uh, brand or not. So with that being said, I think companies and brands see the importance, not just that, again, that treating employees and, and, and doing things internally, living that brand promise is important, but it also impacts how your external audience perceives you. Absolutely. So, you know, consumers, you know, we say one of the things I would say, too, is if you're really authentic, you're a really authentic brand, what you preach and represent externally, you have to not only preach, but demonstrate internally. I mean, as you know, more than anybody, our employees, they're kind of the face of our brand. So if they can't buy in and believe in what our brand's about, then I don't care what we do. We're not going to be a very authentic brand. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, and definitely, you know, treating employees is, uh, you know, um, with, you know, fairness, with understanding uh, and certainly just, yeah, with over, that overarching umbrella of empathy is, uh, you know, really important for, you know, retaining talent. And I certainly know during the quote unquote big quit here, uh, it's been ever more so, uh, you know, kind of important for brands to really consider, you know, what are they doing for their employees? What are they doing for their talent, for, you know, long-term talent development, all sorts of things. You know, how, how did that reflect for you guys internally too? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the, and it's funny, one of the areas of growth that we're seeing right now with our clients is uh, branded recruitment campaigns where back in the day, you could basically say, here's the position, here's the pay, here's the benefits and, you know, see what you get in, but you're probably going to find a candidate. Those days are gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the, as you said, I mean, a lot of the uh, the big quit is about quality of life, balance, all of this stuff. So we're seeing a lot of uh, more attention being paid to how we brand when we're recruiting employees. Like instead of talking about the position first, let's talk about what it's like to work here. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, the internal company culture, uh, you know, yeah. Just making sure that, you know, kind of people know who you are, understand by what they see maybe on social media, at least that they can kind of discern, Oh, this is the type of organization I might be working for. Uh, I completely agree. And, and, uh, it's so funny that you say that too, about, uh, you know, you just, you would throw a job out there in the past and be like, all right, we're definitely going to get a hit on this. But, you know, employees now are so much more discerning, not only in, you know, what they're going to receive from the position in terms of, you know, kind of learning and development, but, you know, what are they going to receive as far as like, you know, the internal co- company culture and overall, you know, workplace happiness. So it is, it, it becomes critical, not only externally, but internally. I, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, so I guess, you know, the, the one, you know, kind of question about empathy and marketing, uh, is about, you know, the, the last time maybe, uh, we saw a big push around empathy because, uh, certainly, you know, obviously now you, you really, you know, do see it kind of more than ever, but, you know, maybe when, when was the last time that we really saw such a push for empathy? Was it, you know, by the world of Coke? Was it that far back? Was it, you know, uh, 9-11 when obviously a lot of advertisers kind of galvanized around, you know, this this sort of, uh, you know, good good sentiments and approach and care and, and obviously empathy. But yeah, uh, when, you know, maybe was this issued uh, first or even just earlier before this? I th- that's a great question, man. And I mean, my answer, this is my personal opinion. You would probably get 
a hundred other people to disagree with me. I don't think it's ever, I think events have um, exacerbated the need for it and putting the attention on it. But if you look back, I'm going to, I'm going to take, for example, 1959. I think that was the year it was Bill Bernbach, who's obviously one of the legends in our business, but that's when that whole uh, Avis campaign came out. We try harder. And if you look, and study that campaign and how that came about. I mean, he was really keying in on people's desire to want the, you know, to take that underdog and support them. So to me, that was one of the most empathetic campaigns, really tapping in at the time to what was going on in the country. I mean, you know, it was kind of wartime. I mean, but there was a patriotism and he's out there talking about, uh, Here's a company that acknowledges they're not first, but they try and, and they got an work ethic and a culture. To me, it's been around forever, but it seems like events, you mentioned 911, we talk about Black Lives Matter, we can talk about COVID. Those all seem to bring it back to the forefront. I think it's always been there, but it's always been an undercurrent versus kind of the conversation. Yeah, cool. Um, well, you know, I, obviously like there's lots of situations where empathy is, uh, expressly important, you know, potentially obviously, you know, necessary, um, uh, really to, uh, get your message across or have, you know, consumers kind of understand, you know, where your brand is positioned at. Um, but you know, where can it backfire? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I, I would start with, and this isn't my idea, but this is again, uh, what I read a lot about is that this whole idea of what's changed, Brent, is that consumers, customers, maybe 10 years ago, you could say something and just say, look empathetic. You could acknowledge Women's History Month or Women's History Day. and You could look like, oh, my gosh, they're acknowledging it. Well, guess what? That's not enough anymore. Basically, consumers are much more discerning and they want brands to put kind of their money where their mouth is. Like you can't latch on to the next movement and just jump on board unless you're willing to do something to support that. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I would say, um, you know, there's examples of that, especially uh, I, I, I think one of the best by far was Nike back know how many years ago the whole Colin Kaepernick the whole kneeling you know that was all his you know basically he was just basically wanting to take a stand on racial justice mm -hmm. and peaceful right mm -hmm. well it blew up in a lot of ways unfortunately for him but what happened was out of that the brand Nike the just do it guys who advocate independence and advocate the human spirit and advocate, you know, being your own type of person. Basically a lot of his sponsors left him. Nike did just the opposite. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they kept with him and they made their whole just do it campaign that year that that all happened about him. And if you look back, I'm, I'm not the guy saying you look back, they actually had, I don't, I wouldn't say record, but had great sales during that whole campaign totally yeah so i think and that's a brand though in my opinion that could get behind it authentically because mm -hmm. that's what nike's about 
you know, probably one of the better examples, I think. Definitely. I completely oh. agree. Yeah. But I just remembered that was an example of it uh, working. You had asked for, can it backfire? I would say uh, it can. And again, I'll take the same era. Pepsi, uh, the I think it was the Kylie Jenner campaign. You might remember it, but it was a commercial. It looked like a protest. And you see Kylie coming through the crowd comes to the front of the crowd and hands a Pepsi-Cola to a policeman. And, you, you know, the intent was good, but it was taken totally as just taking advantage of a really serious matter in America and making light of it. And it totally blew up on me. Yeah, definitely. I know. And if I'm remembering correctly, that came on the heels of like, uh, oh, gosh, the I think it was North Carolina where the pro protests were going. And yes. it was just like just awful timing. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. and yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. They couldn't have, you know, and again, I believe the intent was good, but they couldn't have misread it more. <laughs> because it really. And that's one of those campaigns in my, I mean, if you right now would Google top 10 campaigns that kind of bomb during that time that would be one that comes up oh not not a good representation for sure Correct. um you know and and you had mentioned you know kind of like at the top of this podcast about the uh you know the white paper that you have on your your site and i certainly you know read through it and uh yeah and it was a lot of great information and great statistics and uh you know something uh you know really poignant kind of stood out to me about uh, no news, uh, you know, is is not good because, you know, brands uh, need to be speaking, uh, you know, on some level to some, you know, to some degree about some of these things. And I feel like, you know, that's important. Um, but, you know, just so you can kind of help, uh, you know, us or the audience discern, you know, what is maybe a line of transparency that is good or maybe is there is there any line that is too far? Well, um I'll go back to something that Bill Bernbach, again, who's one of my heroes said, he said, the most powerful element in advertising is truth. I don't think that's changed, Brent. I think how we as marketers uh, demonstrated and executed has changed. But I would say to, to your question, I don't think there is a line anymore because consumers are so much more um, in, I mean, with, in step with brands, I mean, they're really watchful. They're more uh, vigilant, shall I say, about the brands they buy and represent. So I think, you know, and that was a great one because in back in the older, in old days, back when I first started, especially from a PR standpoint, you know, if you don't have anything to say, it's better not to say anything. It's not true today. Mm -hmm. Consumers want brands to have a point of view. And people, I get this question all the time. It's like, Tim, that sounds great. But what if it's, you know, we have a point of view and it totally backfires. Well, that's going to happen. But I think the way you keep that from happening is you have, you really stay close to your customer, whether that's through social media, you know, just, you know, keeping up with your social media and uh, seeing how people are, you know, social media listening or doing research. I think understanding where your consumer is coming from, it changes all the time. We call it dynamic branding. It's never the same, right? It's kind of like something's always changing. So I think brands that really stay vigilant 
on where their consumers are coming from and what they care about and what they think about their brand or the people that are succeeding with staying transparent. For sure. Yeah. Um, that, that's really, I think that's super helpful, uh, you know, in, in just, you know, having people understand their audience, what things they may want to be kind of clued into. And, cool. uh, and, and I, I tend to agree. It's just like, you know, um, being transparent in general is just, is always helpful and truth. You know, uh, if, if you can speak truth as a brand, people get behind it, uh, you know, as long as they care about it. And, uh, and I, I feel like that's, it's always been, yeah, a powerful kind of norm in order to get behind. Um, you know, I, I guess this leads into, you know, yet another part of, you know, the white paper, because, um, you know, I, I definitely saw that, you know, brands engage in uh, philanthropy in order to show empathy. But um, I also don't think that they necessarily belong on the same plane. You know, empathy isn't philanthropy and philanthropy isn't exactly empathy, yes. you know, and, uh, and and you had definitely, you know, touched already on making sure that, you know, you got to, you know, get behind your message. But, you know, how, how do you th think those two things differ? And, uh, you know, but what makes them important to each other, though? I think what makes them important to each other is, brands have a set of values, most brands. And, you know, I would say philanthropy is definitely a way, I mean, being charitable is definitely a value that many brands, not just brands, people have, right? I mean, it's a very positive value to be charitable. Where I, th where I think they're related is the fact that many brands, um, uh, you know, make a conscious decision on where we're going to put charitable dollars, like what we're going to support. And I think the brands that have the greatest success in maybe getting uh, noticed for their philanthropy are the ones that are able to tie it to what they value about their brands and their customers. I mean, it's no, you know, I'm remiss to think any pet brand out there Dude, they're giving money to shelters. They're giving money to, you know, something pet related. And that makes sense. But can they get, but to your point, philanthropy goes deeper than that, man. I'm not saying everything you do has to relate back to your brand. But I do think the values that you lay out for your brand need to be in line with what you decide to donate to as a brand. But, uh, you know. It's definitely to your point. I don't, I think it's different. You're not doing it. I don't think a lot of brands are doing charitable good for, for the world because they want to take advantage of, you know, that with their brand. I really believe if it's part of their values, people can see that and it feels authentic and that's what's powerful. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, I want to, you know, touch on something too, that, you know, I have seen a lot of companies engage more in, and I'm not saying that it hasn't been done in the past, but, you know, um, philanthropy, I guess, giving when it comes to time as well, you know, whether it's like, you know, getting uh, teams together and having them, you know, like, you know, go work on whether it be like a Habitat for Humanity kind of project or, Absolutely. you know, something that they can galvanize that sort of team spirit, but also, you know, really make sure that they're they're working on something that they care about. And, and I've seen that be, you know, really positive as well. That's a great a really great point, Brent, is that it, do, it doesn't always come to dollars. It, and I think, again, you know, it's kind of like, you know, where I always hear that saying, you know, if you want to learn what your priorities are, see where you spend most of your time. 
I would say that's probably true. You could apply that to brands and companies, right? So if they're giving their employees time to go do great things for the community, it says a lot about the values that they really do. Um, that is that is a great adage, and it's timeless. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Well, um, you know, I, I want to touch on something, too, that you had mentioned being racial justice. Uh, you Certainly, you mentioned Colin Kaepernick, and, uh, you know, and this is a perfect topic for two white guys to talk about racial <laughs> justice. Um, exactly. But, yeah. But what companies uh, have you seen address this issue? Well, you mentioned Nike, but are there any sort of like, you know, other examples that you feel like uh, that have like, you know, either um, kind of spoken up about uh, Black Lives Matter that have spoken about, you know, anything on the racial justice front that you feel like is admirable or um, not necessarily something to mimic per se, but at least somebody to pay attention to because it came across authentically and it was and it was poignant. You know, one that there's a lot of debate on, but you remember uh, the whole Quaker Oats changing their uh, packaging for Aunt Jemima pancake syrup, and mm-hmm. Uncle Ben's also doing that. You know, these were companies that were getting some heat uh, regarding the fact that, you know, uh, Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben had uh, associations back to the days of slavery and you know, so that had been building over time, I would say, again, during when the whole Black Lives Matter movement really was in its prime and obviously still is. But th- these companies reacted to that by changing their names and changing their packaging. They kind of got beat up some. I, you know, people applauded the effort to do it. But again, the question is, is that enough? And maybe for them, it was. It's a pancake syrup, right? So they did what they thought was right. But I think if you read the buzz that was going on social media, you know, did they go far enough? Are they donating money to causes around racial justice or whatever? Again, I think it is in the world we're in today, um, it's, 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 you got to, again, putting your money where your mouth is. And don't get me wrong. I bet repackaging and renaming costs them a ton of money. But to the consumer, they're looking for something deeper and more meaningful. Um, I I can't, Aeropolis, I can't think of the name of that retail store that's in the malls. They did something again during that time frame where they gave, uh, and I forgot what, how long was, they were given 10% 10 of sales during a certain promotional period to the in, in, NAACP. And people people got on board with that. Because again, it's like, you know, put it, put, again, can you do something more tangible that can have a longer term impact? And I think, you know, that's, a, I, I think another brand that I think did a, a good thing in, in doing that. Yeah, I, I think you almost already, and I, I can, kind of assume the answer on this next one but in regards to you know racial justice uh you know is there uh if a brand isn't doing something materially about it should they even approach the issue <laughs> no it's a great no no it's a, dude, it's a great question and if you look at the brands that uh haven't had a great uh experience with it it's because they didn't have any association with the cause 
you know, I'll, I'll give you an example personally for us. It's like, you know, do we want to do anything as Gaia Leon uh, on Black History Month? Well, unless it's tied to uh, something going on in our industry, and I can tie it back to something going on that associated with, uh, again, maybe Black Lives Matter or maybe something else, maybe I'll take it on. But if I'm just doing it because I want to look like I'm supporting it, but I really don't have any relationship to that cause, it's not going to be pretty on social media. People sniff it out instantly. They sniff it out, man, and I don't blame them. So we're we're very with all of our clients, you know, very, you know, we have a lot of ongoing social media campaigns and there's tons of different days that come up, whether it's something tied to veterans, whether it's tied to minorities, whether it's tied to, you know, Native Americans, to women. Our take is always, unless we can tie it back to what we do as a brand that has an impact on what we do as a brand, we're probably not going to go there. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, want to put this out there too, because it's just kind of ringing in my head, but about, you know, um, changing your stance and maybe, uh, not acknowledging that, uh, because I, I certainly, you know, you see, you know, brands put communications out there. Uh, and I, one thing that I caught me the other day, uh, just, a, a I think it was a meme, but it was the internet remembers. And that is true. That is totally true. <laughs> So, so like, you know, if you put something out there and it's, you know, in contrast to what you had put out there before, uh, you know, just, just in regards to that, you know, people sniff it out. They know they can, they'll, they'll find it out. (laughs) Yeah, they do. You know, we used to say, you know, consumers, consumers, here's what I would say. Consumers used to be more, much more passive, but with the internet, they don't have to be because they're getting served up. People are kind of serving up these, uh, all of these uh, things that are going on. So they're, they're tuned in, man. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. People, people want fair trade coffee. They want, you know, uh, they want their clothes to be sourced ethically. You know, they, there's, there's so many issues that now, you know, the internet has given rise to the ability to look into those things. And so, yeah, now if you're not truthful about it, um, wow, it's uh, it's easy to find out when you're not. (laughs) Absolutely. 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 I saw something, it was a, online i can't think of the name of the company but they've been running some advertising i think they saw it on television but for you know every pair of they do undergarments so t-shirts underwear but for every one or two you buy they donate a pair to a homeless shelter but the whole tie is at a homeless shelter some of the most desired items are undergarments so it ties so beautifully to their brand but it shows a real sense of understanding, you know, what's going on in society and how they can contribute to the betterment of the world. Definitely. Uh, actually, all right. That just gave me a chance to shout out a, uh, a friend and, uh, and a company that I care a lot about and that does have um, uh, commitment to providing uh, um, undergarments for um, people in women's shelters or women, you know, that are in women's shelters, because that, you know, just like homeless shelters, they're, you know, kind of one of the most desired uh, items. But Maddie Apparel, it's based out of Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, they do great work. Uh, and uh, honestly, it's just, uh, it's a really cool brand. And I've seen it grow over the past years. And it's just, it's really neat to watch it develop. But, you know, grown out fantastic. of, yeah, yeah it, it's cool because it came out of, a, you know, really passionate, you know, serve and help those people in need. And I feel like that, that is good. I agree with you. That's a great example. 
Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, uh, you know, being th this is a little bit more on the PR front, uh, or, you know, maybe it could be, you know, kind of ad focus too, but, uh, what really makes a story about empathy worth talking about? And then what makes a story about empathy really not worth talking about? I, th I th well, I would tell you this, one of the things we also, I'm going to tie a couple of things together. One of the things we learned about empathy in some of the research that we did is one of the ways brands can really demonstrate empathy is by personalizing the brand experience. So if I'm reaching out to you, Brent, as a brand, and I know something about you, I'm going to acknowledge that and I'm going to serve something up to you that I think you're going to like based on what I know about you. And we learned during the pandemic that companies that could really personalize the experience to what their consumers were thinking about succeeded in, in what they were doing. And so I think when you can personalize the message back to your customer, you're going to have much more success. Uh, you know, could be a story about a customer that you helped that you can put online again, or even better if a customer will agree to review you, right. And say these, this brand went above and beyond, but I think those stories demonstrating a brand's commitment to being empathetic can be very impactful. Cool. It really does sound like, um, you know, and, and you maybe touched on it a couple of times, but really listening to your audience and understanding them. Yes. And delivering the stories that, you know, they're going to, you know, that are going to kind of warm their hearts and hopefully kind of align them with you as a brand. Mm -hmm, definitely. Uh, cool. Well, uh, the, the last thing I have for you here is just a question in general about, you know, um, uh, visual execution. Um, so, uh, certainly, uh, we've seen a lot of people kind of, uh, do this with, um, very stark, you know, kind of contrasty ads where, whether it be just like, you know, like white text on a black, you know, background and, you know, it just rolls through a message. Maybe there's music in the background, but, you know, we've seen all sorts of ways to convey empathy, quote unquote, but, you know, what do you think is, um, do you have any kind of recommendations on either things to potentially think about and do or things not to do? Well, one of the areas I would we counsel um, our clients on individual execution can surround, can, can be around photography. Mm -hmm. So can we get by with stock photography? Well, if I'm really trying to elicit a local message and that I really understand the people of St. Louis, I darn well better be providing photography. That <laughs> looks like it's local. Correct. So I would say, Anytime you're, you, I don't, and, and that I'm just giving that example is if you're local, I don't care what your message is. Can you visually come up with a way to show your, demonstrate to your audience that you understand uh, their mindset? We do a lot of work in construction and we did, we've done safety campaigns in the past, in the past. So what, what kind, you know, what kind of color schemes work for safety? Well, you know, normally you'd say, well, you got to have the bright orange and the fluorescence because they wear that, blah, blah. Well, maybe not. Maybe it's more calming. <laughs> you know, it's depending on what your message is, I think. And knowing where, where the mindset of your consumer is, is there a color selection that can really, I, I think, accentuate what you're trying to pull off as a brand? 
Probably, you know, I'm not, a. I, unfortunately, I'm probably not the visual art director guy. You probably have a better sense than I do on this question. <laughs> no, uh, honestly, that that's, no, it's super helpful just to like, no, and actually what you touched on in regards to photography, I feel like, wow, uh, I, I can't, I can't agree more. Actually, I'm not going to pick on any, anybody in particular here, but I am going to talk about like billboards for a second. Oh, uh, wow. If I see another billboard where it says, you know, either my city or my state and they don't have any pictures of it. And, uh, you know, the message isn't personalized, you know, they put it up in 50 other States and it was the same thing. I'm going to go nuts. And I, you know, I don't know if there's anybody out there that looks at that and go, wow, they're, they're talking to me. They can't, you know, that, that can't. I, I don't know how those ads pass. I don't know who's looking at them and they go, all right, perfect guys. This is it. You know, but I'm sorry. That is one thing that I feel like we, you know, no consumer should tolerate anymore is a generic, Hey, St. Louis, blah, blah, blah. Just it, stop. You're you know? right, man. I mean, it goes back to real personalization. That's not authentic, man. Mm -hmm. And I'd say you're not, I bet you that's the majority of people. Yeah. Just because you and I are in the industry people are just much more tuned into that now. So I, I can't disagree with you. Yeah, cool. Well, um, I, you know, I'm sure there's probably lots more to be, you know, kind of like said on the topic in every situation uh, is, is, as you mentioned, you know, it's very kind of individual to the specific need or the brand sort of needs or, you know, the brand's audience too. But, um, but honestly, I feel like this is like extremely enlightening because, you know, the more people can really tap into that empathy, um, you know, I, I do feel like they can make, you know, really good, genuine connections with their, you know, their consumers, with the people that care about these brands. And honestly, um, you know, not necessarily do it, you know, just for, uh, you know, profit potential, uh, even though obviously, you know, th this is coined as, you know, return on empathy, but really do it um, for better long term connection with the people that, you know, they, they serve. So um, overall, I feel like it's a it's a great topic, a great thing for, you know, people to keep in mind. Um, but, you know, yeah, let me know if there's anything else you, you feel like is really important for people to, you know, think about. Yeah, I think well, you just touched on something that I, I'm glad you did because I wouldn't want it to be misconstrued. When we talk about return, I think you're right. I mean, it's not monetary. I, I think there is a business case to be made. But the other case to be made is I think if we go back to what people, what we as marketers believe that a brand is a relationship. Well, I can't think of a better relationship to have with a customer that one that's based on the customer truly loving and believing in your brand and, you know, a, a brand that really earns the trust of their customer. To me, that is part of the return that we as marketers need to be looking for from, from brands. That's awesome. Well, uh, Tim, this has been great. You know, thank you so much for, you know, taking your time to, you know, obviously talk to me, talk to everybody about, you know, this topic. It's certainly, you know, super important, especially right now. Uh, so definitely thank you so much for, for being with us. And uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, Brent, it was a joy. And I always, it's nice to talk about things like this. You know, I was going to tell you what I, what I was going to start out with is, as a marketer, you know, we just get beat by the fact of metrics. Everything's about metrics. Believe me, metrics are important in measuring marketing. But I think you, me, a lot of people are in this business for more than just 
metrics and the success of metrics. You want to do things you can really feel good about. And I think empathy and marketing is one of those things. Yeah. Wow. I, I couldn't agree more. It, you know, sometimes it's really nice. You see like, you know, somebody's uh, positive sentiments roll through like, you know, a Google review, a product review, yes. a review somewhere. And, and, and yeah, you know, that almost means more than any other thing or that the company you're serving is getting this kind of, you know, great, you know, feedback. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, well, again, thank you, man. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Well, this has been another episode of Mix and Matchbox. Uh, thanks to our guest, Tim Leon, uh, and definitely uh, like, subscribe, and we will be back with more content. Thanks.